And I do pray that you know Jesus, that you know him as your way maker. And if you don't, I pray that by the end of today's service that you get to experience that. Amen? Amen, amen. Hey, I uh, want, want to invite you to go ahead and grab your copy of God's Word. Turn with me to John chapter 1. That's the uh, chapter that we're going to be in uh, during December and uh, leading up to Christmas Eve day. Isn't it cool that we get to worship uh, God on Christmas Eve day and then again on Christmas Eve? Yeah, we're having two services, okay, morning and evening. So don't, don't, don't pick one. It's not either or, okay? It's going to be different. So you want to be back for both. Amen? That wasn't very encouraging. Let's try that again. Amen? There we go. There we go. There we go. Uh, so uh, we're in this series called God with Us, and we're we're answering the question: Why do we celebrate Christ at Christmas? Why do we worship Christ at Christmas? Why do we do this? And it's because He is God with. Us. Last week, we looked at the first few verses of uh, John chapter 1, and, and we saw that we worship him because of who he is, that he is God. We're going to talk about uh, in a few weeks about Emmanuel, God with us. But we saw last week that he is God. We worship him because of his divinity, because he's God, and also his authority, because he made us. And all of that leads us to have the natural response just to worship and celebrate Christ at, at Christmas, to that he's worthy of our worship. Well, today, we're going to see that we celebrate Christ uh, at Christmas because of the second thing, because of what he's done. We're going to key in on verse 4 and 5. We're going to read the whole uh, chapter, not the whole chapter, but verses 1 to 14. But what we're going to see is that Jesus brought life and light to the world. And my hope for us today, my hope is that we would, uh, if you haven't already done so, that you would embrace that life, that you would discover the life that, that God has for you in Jesus, and that you would let your light shine in a dark world all around us. So let's jump in. Let's read John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. And it says this, says, in the beginning was the Word. Now who's the Word? Jesus, all right. And Jesus is God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, cool. How many of y'all that helped y'all last week doing the good deal? Good deal, all right, cool. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people didn't receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and Truth. We're going to read that passage each week, and we're going to key on a specific part. Today, we're going to key in on verses 4 and 5. And the first thing I want us to see from these two verses, the first thing John tells us, number one, if you're following along in your outline, is this, is that Jesus came to give life to dead people. Jesus came to give life to dead 
people. Back when uh, Bridget and I graduated from seminary at Southwestern in Fort Worth and moved to our very first church where we got to serve in ministry in Hickory, North Carolina, before moving, uh, Bridget, every day on the way to work, passed this, passed this neighborhood, and she said, there's a mama dog that's had puppies, and there's several puppies running around the yard, and, and, and they look like strays, but they're living under this house, and I would love to get one of those puppies before we leave. And so she went and asked the owner, could we have one? How much are they? He says, if you can catch one, you can take it, you know. And so there were some yellow ones and some black ones, and she really wanted a yellow one because she wanted a yellow lab, but seminary students, we can't afford a, a, you know, a, a purebred lab. But this was yellow, and it would look like one. Well, all the yellow ones were too fast. But there was one slow one, a little black one. And, and so we were able to, to, to get that thing, and he yelped and cried and everything. We're like, sorry, you know, we, we've captured you. You belong to us. Uh, I guess that's just how it works, you know. And so we named him Tucker, and he was just the cutest little thing. He, he looked kind of like a mix of maybe a chow or a husky or, or who knows what, little pointy ears, and, and he was just a ton of fun. Um, and it, it, anyway, so about a year and a half went by. We were living in Hickory, and uh, you know, he was an escape artist, too. I got to tell you that. He was a really smart dog. Uh, wasn't a very fast dog, but a very smart dog. And he could get out of anything. He had to be very careful, you know, that he didn't, you know, get out of his pen or, or even open up the screen door and, you know, pop the latch and get out and everything. And so one night, uh, about a year and a half uh, after we moved to North Carolina, he's about a year and a half old, um, I'm coming home from a youth event, and I got a couple of houses away from, from our house, and I noticed on the side of the road this little black ball of fur. And I, and I realized instantly, that's my dog. And I pulled over and stopped, and it was Tucker. And he was dead on the side of the road. He had gotten, stop, he had gotten hit by a car or something, and it must have just happened because his body was still warm. And I thought, maybe there's a chance. And I scooped him up in my arms, and I bent over, and I cut my, my don't laugh, I cut my mouth around his, and I did mouth-to-snout resuscitation. <laughs> and would you believe he came back? Because he didn't. <laughs> I told you, he was, a, he, was a, he, was a, he was a good dog. He just wasn't a fast dog. <laughs> my heart was broken. All I wanted in that moment was for him to have life. All I wanted in that moment was for, for him to have that spark of life once again. Now, guys, if I felt that way about a dog, imagine how God feels about you. Imagine how much God must love you to give his only son to bring life into this world so that dead people could have life. That's what John talks about here in his gospel. In verse 4, he says, In him, in Jesus, was life, and the life was the light of men. You know, John speaks about Jesus being life or giving life or bringing life more than anybody else in the New Testament. 36 times he talks about it. The rest of the New Testament only talks about it 17 times combined. And what John's trying to communicate to us is that Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is who gives us life. He gives us physical life. We talked about that last week, that he is creator. He is the one who, who brought everything into being. John 1, verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was, that was made. And so Jesus gives us physical life, but he doesn't stop there. He also gives us eternal life. 
You know, this physical life is going to end one day. Every single one of us is going to die and stand before God, stand before our Creator. And a lot of people fear death because they don't know what waits on the other side. A lot of people are, are worried about dying. That's one of their biggest fears is, I don't know what's going to happen. And maybe they're, they're hoping for something good or they're, or they're hoping that they've been good enough or whatever. But look at what Jesus does. He gives us eternal life. He gives us the promise and hope of eternal life. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Eternal life or life everlasting. Jesus came to give us life, to give us eternal life. And he promises that all who believe in him have that hope, have that promise, have that assurance. They have nothing to fear from death because they already have eternal life. But he also gives us abundant life. I love John 10, 10. It says the thief, talking about Satan, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Some translations say uh, to the full, others say rich and satisfying. Chances are when you, when you think about abundance or when you think about satisfying or even rich, there's certain ideas that come to your mind about what that life must be like. You know, well, maybe he's talking about having a, a comfortable life, you know, a life that's a little bit easier than the life that you have right now. And that makes sense. I mean, that, that word abundant makes you think of, of having plenty. You know, that word satisfying, it makes you think, well, you know, I mean, if I'm satisfied, then that means I don't want any more. And if I'm unsatisfied, then I must be wanting. I must be lacking in some way. So maybe this abundant life is a life where I've just got plenty and I've got all that I need and, and, I, and I'm comfortable and everything. But, but I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about because, because if you look throughout the rest of the Gospels, you know, when, when, you know, yes, he came to give us a life that's full and in abundance and meaningful, but I don't, think that's, I don't think he's talking about abundance in that way. We know this because the very first thing that Jesus does when he calls his first disciples is he tells them to leave everything and follow him. He says, leave your nets, leave your fishing business, and come follow me, and I'll change the whole course of your life. I'll make you fishers of men. And that's what they do. They drop everything and follow him. They leave their jobs. They leave their income. They leave you know, the security they have in that, and they begin to follow Jesus. That's not the path to abundance, okay? Dave Ramsey will not tell you, just quit your, God, quit your job and trust Jesus and hope it all works out. He is a Christian. He will tell you to trust Jesus. But you know, that's not a good financial plan is just to say, well, I hope it works out, you know. Later on in Matthew, Jesus says, you know, the foxes have holes they can sleep in and the birds have uh, nests they can live in, but I don't have anything. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. I don't have a pillow. I don't have a sleeping bag. You know, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head, he says in Matthew 8. Luke 14, 33, he tells people, you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. And later on in Matthew 19, Peter says, you know, we've given up everything to follow you like it's some big deal. And Jesus basically replies to him, yeah, that was the expectation. That's what I told you guys way, way back in Matthew 4. What are you, what are you surprised about? And so we see that abundant life is not about material things. It doesn't mean, by the way, that you have to go and sell everything today and give to the poor and live in poverty, okay? Unless that's what God tells you to do, amen? The abundant life is not about material things. The abundant life is about having Jesus. 
Life that we have in Jesus must be enough because Jesus is enough. That's the abundant life. That's the life that Jesus offers. And here's the deal. You can have physical life. You can be born and exist and live and without ever knowing Jesus. Okay, he brought you into this world. He created you. He deserves to be Lord over your life. But you can have physical life without ever knowing Jesus, without ever celebrating him at Christmas, without ever recognizing him or acknowledging him. But these other two things, eternal life and abundant life, you can't get them without Jesus. There is no way you can experience those without Jesus. There's no way to find those except through Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am one of many ways. Is that what he says? No. I am the way the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one way, and that's through Jesus. There's no other path. And so you and I are spiritually dead without Jesus, and Jesus came to bring life to dead people. Now, if you've received that life, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, if there's been a time where you have said, you know what, as good as I have it, it's not good enough. I need Jesus. Then praise God. You get to experience this second thing that John tells us that Jesus has done. Number two, Jesus came to bring light to a world darkened by sin. Listen again. It says in verse four and five, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Guys, light is needed because darkness exists. Light is needed because darkness exists, not just in a physical sense, but in a, in a spiritual sense. You know, it, our, our minds are, are blinded by the darkness of sin, and without the light of Jesus, we can't even see how much we need Him. We can't even see our fallen and broken and, and spiritual state, but Jesus shines light. He shines light to a world that's been darkened by sin. And we can see ourselves as we really are. And other people can see themselves as they really are. People in need of forgiveness. People in need of a Savior. People in need of the life that only Jesus offers. And here's the cool thing. Once we receive that life, and once we receive that light, once we believe in Jesus, then, then we get to experience all the blessings that that light brings, all the blessings that Jesus brings. Light brings a, couple, a few things here. Light brings security and deliverance. Light brings security and deliverance. Psalm 27, verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I don't have to fear anything because I got Jesus. I don't have to worry because I got Jesus. His light dispels the darkness of, of worry and fear. Light is a guide. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. How many of y'all, your grandma was a big influence in you coming to know Jesus? Anybody? When I was a little kid, this was one of the very first verses I ever learned. Even before I was a Christian, we would go uh, spend summers in Orlando at my Nana and Papa's house, and we would go swim down at the lake, and then at lunchtime, we'd come and sit at the picnic table and eat bologna sandwiches, and she would, she would uh, teach us Bible verses. And this is one of the very first ones that I ever learned. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And light is a guide. 
And back then, they didn't have big old flashlights like we have, you know. We like, we like flashlights that'll shine, you know, you know, 100 feet out in front of us or whatever. You know, those big Q-beam million candle watt, you know, spotlights and stuff. We like that kind of light. Kind of light they had was just like little lamps, little oil lamps. It would only shine, you know, maybe 5 or 10 feet, maybe less out in front of them. And so it was basically a way of saying, God, you're my guide. Your, 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 your light, your word uh, is shining before me so that I can see which way I need to go step by step by step by step. I can't see what's way out there, but I can see what's right in front of me. And your word is a guide. Jesus, you are a guide. But you know, light also brings hope. I was talking to Pastor Sean about this this week. And how many of y'all knew Pastor Sean was a pilot? Used to be a pilot, is a pilot. I guess you're always a pilot, you know, to, yeah, so. But he is a pilot, but he was a pilot in the Air Force. And he was telling me about when, when they went through survival training. And some of you who are also pilots or have been through, uh, you know, military training, you've probably been through this. He said, you know, they set you out in the woods uh, for, for however long, a few days, a week, or whatever. And the first thing they tell you to do is build a fire. And it's not for the warmth, and it's not so that you can cook. It's for what that light does. That light gives you hope. That light dispels the darkness and the uncertainty around you. By that light, you can just see, you can see just a little bit better or a lot better than you could if it was com- completely dark. And so that light removes the uncertainty of what's in the darkness. And in a, as a similar way, as we walk through this world that's been darkened by sin, we, and when we experience the uncertainties of, of the chaos of light, when we walk, excuse me, the, the chaoses of life, when we walk with Jesus, we have hope as his light shines. And finally, we see that this light is, is, is really meant to shine. Number three is this. Darkness is always dispelled when Christ's light shines. Darkness is always dispelled. Spiritual darkness, the, the darkness of the enemy is always dispelled when Christ's light shines. You know, there's a, there's a spiritual battle going on between light and darkness. You know, darkness, evil, sin, Satan uh, opposes Jesus, wants to do everything it can to stop the spread of the gospel, to stop the spread of God's kingdom, to stop uh, the church from from being on fire and and, and on mission. Matter of fact, Satan even tried to snuff out Jesus' light by having him uh, nailed to a cross. But look at what John says here in verse 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, in John's day, this had very real meaning for him and for his readers. You know, this is John, John the disciple, John the apostle, one of the, one of the 12 guys that was, that was closest to Jesus, uh, actually one of the three that spent even more time with Jesus. He saw firsthand the opposition that Jesus faced from the religious leaders and from the, uh, the, the Pharisees and Sadducees and others. He was there when Jesus was arrested in the garden. He watched from a distance as Jesus went through mock trials and was then beaten. He was there, uh, it says in his gospel, you know, when he was led away and crucified, he was present at the crucifixion, literally there at the foot of the cross. John saw firsthand how the darkness opposed the light, but darkness was, but the darkness did not overcome the light. Jesus defeated sin and death and hell and the grave. When Jesus died on the cross willingly for our sins as a sacrifice for my sins and for yours, and then was buried, and then God raised him back to life three days later, Jesus defeated darkness. Light overcame darkness. The light of Jesus always 
dispels, always overcomes the darkness of this world. And guys, the light that you and I have from Jesus living in us, in the same way, darkness is dispelled when we let Jesus' light shine through us. That's God's plan. That's what God wants. It's not enough for me and you just to say, hey, I got my ticket punched. I'm going to heaven. I'm in. It's not enough for us to, you know, it's great that we get to come and worship here, but this is just like a battery recharge so we can go out and shine the light of Jesus in the darkness. Amen? And so that's God's plan. Matter of fact, it's for us to be the light of Jesus. That's God's plan. Look at Matthew 5, 14 to 16. He says, you are the what of the world? Light. You are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. What's that song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And we say, hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to what? Let it shine. Yeah. So it says, no. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds Shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You and I are to be the light of the world, living holy, godly lives. Not so people will praise us, but so they will praise God. Philippians 2, uh, 14 and 15. He says, uh, do everything without complaining and arguing. Okay, he wasn't writing to a Baptist church. That's fine. Uh, So that no one can... That was a little funny. (laughs) Never mind. All right, do everything without complaining and arguing or making fun of people uh, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Guys, you and I are meant to be shining lights, shining the light of Jesus in the darkness all around us. Listen, if you're a believer, if you've got Jesus there's been a time in your life where you've placed your faith in Jesus. Man, I am so excited for you. I am so thrilled, but it doesn't stop there. That's just the beginning. What God wants to do through me and through you and through our church and through uh, others that get to come to know Christ is that we are to shine the light of Jesus in the darkness. We are to shine the light of Jesus so that others can come and know Christ as well. A couple of months ago, a couple of months ago, uh, one of our dogs... Jake uh, got bit by a rattlesnake in our backyard. We've lived in this house 15 years, and I think we've only had a handful of snakes, and just never even occurred to me that, uh, you know, that that, that that would even be a possibility that our dogs would get bit. And Jake was over in the backyard, over in the corner, and he was checking out a stick. And then that stick started to move. And before I could get him away, that snake just bit him right on the mouth. And, uh, it was a pretty rough go for, for a few days, and, and he made it. He survived. Um, you know, we're going to get him a collar that says, but did you die? You know, uh, I mean, he, he lived, but it was, it was, it was rough because I'm sitting there thinking every day. It's like, this could be it. You know, and I called the vet. By the way, I do love my dog, and I called the vet, and the first thing they said is like emergency vet, and they said it's going to be this much money right up front. It was like almost $1,000 just to get him in the door, you know, because it was like 9, 10 o'clock at night. And then it's going to be another few thousand dollars to treat him over the next few days. And I was like, this dog only cost me $100. You know, that's not a good return on investment. And he's 14 years old. I think we've gotten our $100 out of him. I love my dogs. I really do. You, if you, Sean, Sean's, Sean's getting food for a, for a thing afterwards. But Sean will tell you, I was a mess for about a week. But, but here's the deal. We, we uh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> 
we, we put chicken wire up along the backyard. Uh, we, we've taken steps to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're trying to snake-proof the yard. We, we've hung lights along the back so we can see better. Uh, and then now, every time we let the dogs out, we go and walk the backyard and check for snakes, you know. I've even got like one of the little snake grabby things, you know, in case I, I was kind of actually hoping to find one, you know, get vengeance or whatever. But anyways, um, but vengeance is the Lord. But I also went and got this because it gets dark in our backyard. And so I'll, I'll use this, and it's got a dim setting and a little bit brighter. Yeah, and a really bright. I'm going to hit Zach with it right there. And this, right, yeah, it's bright, isn't it? And so I'll, I'll turn it down so that you're not. But even in, this, even in this room, I don't know if you can see, but even in this room, it's lighting up stuff. And this light on its, on its brightest basically turns wherever I'm looking, it turns it into daylight almost. I mean, it really shines. It really shines bright. There we go. The darkness in my backyard is just completely dispelled wherever this light shines. But if you notice, it's got some different settings. It's got dim, bright, really bright, and then just this little faint glow. Can you see that? This little tiny glow? Whatever I set it to, that's how bright it's going to shine. The degree to which this light shines is the degree to which darkness is dispelled. My question for you If you have Jesus, if Christ is living in you, and you and I are supposed to be shining the light of Jesus, what's your light set to? The degree to which you are shining the light of Jesus is the degree to which the darkness around you will be dispelled. Is yours on dim, or is it on super bright? Or maybe is it kind of died out, and it's just this little faint glow that others can say, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're saved, but, you know. What's your light set on? Are you shining bright? Is it barely visible? Maybe some here today need the light of Jesus. Maybe today needs to be the day of salvation. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song called Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and I pray that's what we would do, that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, and maybe your prayer today is, Jesus, help me shine bright. Help me shine bright. Help me get back to shining bright. Or maybe, Jesus, I need you first. I need the eternal life that you promised so that I can be a shining light. Will you pray with me? All across the room, heads bowed, eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to be life and light. God, I pray for those who are Christ followers today. That, God, if we know for sure that we are Jesus followers, if we know for sure that we are Christians, God, that we would leave here today wanting to shine the light of Jesus brightly in the darkness all around us. God, not, not going out and, and, and attacking the world and stamping out sin, and, but rather, God, just shining the light of Jesus so that people can see you and can praise you and can glorify you and will be drawn to you. If that's your prayer today, would you just call out a prayer to God right now, quietly, right there in your heart? Would you just say, God, help me shine bright the rest of this year. Help me shine bright on into next year. Would you just pray that with me?
Maybe there's even one area where you realize it's, it's kind of dimmed your light. Maybe there's a struggle in your life or a sin you're struggling to overcome and you feel like that's sort of dimmed the light of Christ in your life. Would you just pray and say, God, I just confess that. I repent of it. And right now I am ready. I'm ready to hand that over to you. I want to live a pure and holy life for you so that that life, so that nothing hinders that light, so that nothing hinders people seeing Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you realize before you can shine the light of Jesus, you got to get the light of Jesus. And maybe you're realizing today is the day where you need to place your faith in him. You can do just what John Chapter 1, verse 12 says, To all who believe in him, he gives the right to become the children of God. Would you place your faith in Jesus today? Would you just call out to God and say, God, I know that you love me. You may want to pray this prayer with me. God, I know that you love me. Just say it right there where you are. God, I know that you love me. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is the Son of God who died for my sins and was raised back to life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you. Thank you for eternal life. God, we pray that you would just continue to hear the prayers of your people and continue to work on our hearts as we sing this next song, God, as we do turn our eyes upon Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us as we sing?